0: It's an interesting thing to find a solution that works for parenting that lasts for a childhood. So, so many of the things that you learn as a parent, they become old news. Like you learn how to deal with potty training or you learn how to deal with eating tantrums and stuff just changes. There's all of these different things that happen during childhood that are just for a season. It's just a little part of childhood and then you move on. But nature works for the whole time. Like it works for your little baby. So our oldest is 15. And I remember taking him on walks and he just loved to look at the trees. It's like nature's mobile. So it worked for him as a baby. At 15, it definitely looks different. So it looks a lot like specializing. So we've got, we have almost three teenagers. So they're out skateboarding. They like to ride their bikes. They have a goal. They have their own movement goal. So they'll try and bike like six miles a day and they're keeping track of it on a little chart. They got, I don't know if they're competitive with it, maybe a little bit because they're siblings, but they like this, this movement piece of it. And then they're like, oh, well, my friend, when he rides his bike, he doesn't use his hands on the handlebars the whole time. So they have these things within them that drive them on to, to do harder and harder things.
1: Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. Joining me today for her third time on the show is creator of 1,000 Hours Outside, Jenny Urich. Today's conversation focuses a lot on the evolution of getting our children outside as they continue to grow. I'm starting to notice that a lot of the women in my life are struggling to get their older children motivated to get outdoors. So Jenny has some great answers for this, as well as addressing how do working moms get that 1,000 hours outside every year? Is that even the goal, 1,000 hours? Is it attainable? And then lastly, we talk about the science of getting outside. Jenny is such a wealth of knowledge. She has read so many books. If you've followed her on Instagram, you've seen all the books she's consumed over the years. So I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. But quickly, before we get into the conversation, I want to share a minimalist moment slash resource with you this week. I had the opportunity to be interviewed on the Boom Clap podcast. And as I was listening back to it yesterday, it's something that is always... little bit nerve wracking to hear yourself when it's so candid and unscripted. That said, there was a moment that I want to share with you all here. And again, you can catch the full conversation over on their podcast. I can link it in the show notes, obviously. But we talked a lot about the holidays and gift giving and receiving gifts that we didn't ask for and how to navigate that. So here's a moment that I clipped from the episode that I wanted to share with you. Well, and it's not the getting rid of that makes me feel bad. Like I am doing the same thing as you, Cecily, like getting uh-huh. stuff out of my house. It's mm-hmm. the fact that somebody worked hard for money to buy that, you know, yeah. and it's like they could have used that for somebody who really needed it. That's why or, you're nicer than me. Like, you know, <laughs> I think, Rita, you definitely have to detach from that because that's something I struggled with that, too. That is basically you saying, I want to tell you how to spend your money. And oh, some yeah, people are ready that's to true. hear that. Again, I feel comfortable having that conversation with my cousin because we have a really deep connection. But if I tried to have that with my husband's grandma, mm-hmm. she's going to spend in the way that she does because gift-giving is her love language. I can beat the dead horse of, I'm a minimalist. I've been living this way forever. It doesn't change what has been programmed in her, what has become habit to her, and just the way that she wants to give us her love. And that is the way that she does that. So in a way, yes, to me, I'm like, oh, that seems really wasteful. But also, someone might think it's really wasteful that I, I like to buy wool sweaters at a pretty big cost like I had a friend tell me that last night she's like I don't know why you spend so much money on sweaters and I'm like well I wear them for five years so cost per wear that's pretty low compared to a target sweater I'm gonna have to keep rebuying over and over Mm -hmm. and so it's things like that sorry I hope that's not too direct to say to you but I think that uh no I think that's um, helpful like that's what I need to hear that's helpful and maybe nobody else relates to this conversation but like oh I'm sure they do yeah I think they do for sure yeah All right. Again, I will link the full episode in the show notes. If this is something that you're interested in, I am a firm believer that as much as I don't want people giving me things that I don't necessarily need, that that is a way that they show love. I've had to come to terms with the fact that there are just certain people in my life that aren't minimalist, that don't understand the way that I'm trying to live. And you know what? That's okay because they're allowed to have their perspectives and opinions. I can graciously accept gifts and the way that people choose to spend their money is not up to me to dictate. So I hope that was helpful for someone listening. And now let's get into this conversation with Jenny Yurich. Okay, so I want to talk about your new book today. That's why you're here. Quickly reintroduce yourself and then we'll start.
0: So my name is Jenny. My story is just that I really struggled as a young mom, like really struggled to the point where I didn't like it. And I was so sad about that because I wanted to like it. It's something that I'd always looked forward to. I wanted to be a mom. I liked kids. I liked my own kids. But really was in a dark place of trying to survive the early years. And my life changed in one day. Like I went from barely staying afloat to like, okay, mm-hmm. this is actually really has some good parts. Not that like every day was rainbows, but it was like my days started to have some really good parts to them and good relationships and good foundation. And I could catch my breath. And the big change happened when we started to spend substantial periods of time outside. So not like a 45 minute thing over to the playground or 20 minutes. It was like, well, a couple hours and we're going to go and we're going to stay. We're going to be here from, you know, nine in the morning till one in the afternoon. That was sort of the schedule when we had young kids and we would meet up with a couple friends, the kids would play and the adults would get a chance to catch their breath. And there'd be a couple of adults around to help if the other moms needed help or whatever. Sometimes there was dads. So it just is something that took my parenting and completely transformed it. Well, at the same time, and this is what I didn't know at the beginning, but but I know now at the same time when we let our kids play outside freely and have autonomy and climb things and build things and play with their friends it helps them in all of the ways that they should be developing so it's helping their cognition It's helping their sensory integration, which is helping their minds as well. It's helping their social skills, which is really important. You know, we have to learn how to get along with other people. And that's where you learn it. You learn it in those moments where you're having to compromise and pretend and imagine and figure out how to work alongside someone else. So socially and then emotionally, it's like, you know, we all know that when we go outside, we can exhale and we have this. Time where there's space and there's openness where we can catch our breath and melt into that moment. So, emotionally, it's helping. And then, like on a physical Mm -hmm. level, I've learned in the past couple years about how kids are supposed to, for example, jump and land. And that's what they do naturally. But every time they have that impact and they hit the ground, It's helping their skeletal system to build up. So that's from Katie Bowman, who's a biomechanist. She's got a lot of great books. She says osteoporosis is a childhood disease that shows up in adulthood. Mm -hmm. So there's all sorts of physical things. Like we could talk about eyesight. We could talk about the full spectrum light that you're exposed to when you go outside. Moving your lymphatic system, you get sick less. So there's so much to it. And that's been my journey for the past 10 to 12 years is learning about how what seems frivolous like, hey, let's go outside, actually has so many components that lead to healthy self, both for
1: a child and an adult. I saw something on Instagram the other day. And to paraphrase it, it said, it's crazy how we need research to tell us that going outside is good for us. Yeah. Over the last, I don't know, what would you say, 75 years, we've been outside less and less. Yeah. And I do think that is curious looking to the past, which I think you and I have talked about a little bit before, but I want to go back to your latest book, and it's called Until the Streetlights Come On, How a Return to Play Brightens Our Present and Prepares Kids for an Uncertain Future. So this is your third or fourth book.
0: I have a random assortment of books. It's really technically my first book for adults that's going through an actual publisher. So we have a couple things that are self published. And then last year, I had a book come out with DK Books. That's like an activity book for kids. And it's a fantastic book. It's super cool. It's got pictures from all over the world that people sent in. So that's a fun one just to have as a resource on hand in your home. But this is my first, like they call it a trade book, adult trade book that's coming through a publisher and we have some other books that we've published on our website, but this is one that's really been on my mind for a very long time, like six or seven years, because I think like when you talk about the research and I agree. It's like we shouldn't need the research. But I think what's happened is because the outdoors seems so frivolous or it just doesn't seem like much, it doesn't seem like French class and it doesn't seem like violin lessons and it doesn't seem like reading a lot of books or studying for a test, it kind of seems like nothing. And so I think the research helps to remind us that it's not nothing and that it's actually a very substantial part of child development. In fact, I just read this book called the Indistractable. And he's saying that the most important extracurricular activity is free play. Mm -hmm. And we have just gotten that backwards as a society, I think, in a well-intentioned pursuit of preparing our kids for adulthood. But adulthood doesn't look like it used to. Mm -hmm. Adulthood actually looks quite a bit different. We used to have people that had jobs for a generation. They would graduate maybe from college. They'd go get a four-year degree. They'd be 22 years old. They'd have a job till they're 52, maybe stay a little bit longer and retire. Mm -hmm. And so that that job was like one generation of skill set. And maybe throughout the job, some things would change and they would adjust and adapt. But a lot of people had jobs that lasted a full 30 years. And the jobs now, I mean, they say, I was like, 18 months, three years, like the turnover Mm -hmm. is so much more rapid because our world is changing so fast. And some of the jobs don't even exist yet. We're preparing our kids for the unknown. And so I think in order to do that, there are different things that are needed. And what's really needed are the things that we used to do, like to give our kids Mm -hmm. autonomy and to give them time to figure out what they love to do and to be creative and to get bored and to develop some resilience because information is at our fingertips. It's really those skill sets that are needed, our social skills that are going Mm -hmm. to help them for the future that they're entering into.
1: Yes. And I will say, even though I believe what I just said in regards to, you didn't need to have someone tell you to go outside. It was just a part of our life. I do think it's really interesting researching the science of, like you said, Katie's books about movement or seasons connected to our bodies and our rhythms. And all that stuff is fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. But I do think that some people really need a heavy emphasis on research to get themselves outside because I think some people are so disconnected at this point Mm -hmm. that they need proof, they need evidence that this is going to change my life. Right. I totally
0: agree with you. I even feel like for Mm -hmm. myself, I need those little doses of reminder because it seems like nothing. It just on the surface doesn't appear to be something. It's immeasurable. And I think that's a tricky part of it, right? Where it's like, well, if I do some curriculum with my kids, I can check a box and I can say, look, we're moving through this certain set, but I can't check their neural wiring. I can't say, well, oh, they climbed two inches higher on the tree today. So obviously something inside of them is growing. It's almost like it's invisible. Like you can't really know. And so it feels less solid. So for the research has really helped me because, of course, like we all know that when we go outside, we feel better. Sometimes it takes a little bit, but we just can kind of recenter, we feel better. But I would imagine that there's a lot of parents, and myself included, who would have said, well, that doesn't really matter. And I think that we have built... Childhood in a way that sacrifices today for the sake of tomorrow. That says, look, oh, well, whatever. If you don't feel good, at least you're going to be ready for your SATs. You know, if you're overloaded with work, at least you're going to get into a good college. And that's going to be what sets you up for success. And I think that we just have backwards what sets us up for success. I think that. If we have a bright today, a bright present, that today is really full and good and we come at life in a way that really makes us shine as humans, as people, as individuals, then that is truly what's going to prepare our kids for a rapidly changing world.
1: I want to talk about something that I guess is specific to my life. I was talking to my friend Allie yesterday, and I asked her what she hasn't heard from you. And she was like, I've heard Jenny talk about young kids and homeschooling because you are a homeschooling mom. But what about for people that do work full time and they only have those hours between what we'll say five, seven or eight, depending on your kids. What is getting your kids outside look like during that time? And I guess what advice do you have?
0: It's a good question. And I think what's interesting is that over time, you and I think I've talked about this, but it's like I started writing about our experience back when we had little kids, like not school age, and it didn't catch on for a very long time. In fact, I kind of thought maybe it would never catch on. It was just sharing what worked for our family. I'm like, my life was in the pits and it changed in one day. And then all of a sudden our kids are thriving and I'm thriving in a very different way. It changed in four hours. And so it's one of those solutions that is easy to understand, though it's not simple to implement. And so what's been cool to see is that there are people that do 1,000 hours outside all over the world and are in all sorts of different situations. They have all sorts of different school situations, all sorts of different parenting situations, they're single parents. So the first thing that I always say is that the number comes from research. It comes from Angela Hanscom's Balanced and Barefoot. It comes from some different things where there are some minimums of time that are suggested for kids and optimal development. But the point is, more than that, to understand that this is a really good part of childhood and to be intentional about it. And so I think we can't beat ourselves up if we don't have 18 to 20 hours a week or 15 hours a week or whatever it is. Well, then it's about being intentional about the time that you do have and making choices about everyone has a certain amount of time, making choices about that time to say, okay, well, maybe we're not going to do swim lessons, or maybe we're not going to join this team, or maybe we're not going to do three extracurriculars. We're just going to do one. And one evening a week, we're going to take our dinner to the playground. Because a lot of times the schools, you can go use the playground. That's one of our favorite things to do, especially when our kids were young, is to playground hop from like elementary school to elementary school, because they're open in the evenings, and they're all different. And sometimes they're really fun. So like, you know, you take your meal there, or you pick your kid up from school. And instead of going straight home, you spend 45 minutes at the park before you do it, maybe you skip a little homework. People do not like that suggestion. But I have had like doctors, you know, that have come on and said, I write prescriptions for kids to to skip their homework. Maybe you make the choice that says, you know what, we're only going to do screens on the weekends. And, you know, mm-hmm. during the week, Monday to Thursday, that's kind of what they do in the Waldorf schools, or at least they used to. Mm-hmm. We're going to not do screens. And so maybe 30 minutes, you're going to go outside to play. And you're going to count the time that kids are outside at school. You're going to count the time that they're walking to and from if you have that option. That's another suggestion of Katie Bowman and also Dr. Chris Winter, who wrote this books about sleep. He said one of the best things that you can do for your kids is walk to school. That's one of Mm -hmm. the top things that you can do. And, you know, when you walk to school, you usually build in a little bit of extra time, right, because you got to get there. And so it might take 20 minutes. If you're walking to and from school, that might be 40, 45 minutes of your time outside on a daily basis. So the reason that we have a year-long goal of getting outside is because it's impractical for every Mm -hmm. family, including my own. Homeschooling Mm -hmm. is... (laughs) A different animal altogether, too. It's like, well, I've got a 15 year old and he's got a lot of ideas about what he wants his life to look like. And we do sports Mm -hmm. and things like that. So I think that every family is busy, though the busyness looks different. But you're trying to weave into a childhood, into a year, trying to weave in hands on real life moments. So that might look like on a Saturday, Now, here we are in Michigan. We're going to go to the apple orchard. We're not going to just go for 40 minutes and pick apples. We're going to stay and we're going to see the petting farm and we're going to bring a lunch and we're going to stay for a couple hours. We're going to bring a board game. We're going to go on a camping trip or two in the summer. We're going to revolve our vacation around outdoor activities. And those type Mm -hmm. of things add up really quickly. But I think the point is, is you know, whether you spend a thousand hours outside or some people spend 2000 hours outside and some people spend 400 hours outside, that all of that time is worthy and Mm -hmm. it matters. And I think the more you do, the more you realize how important and valuable it is. And so the more it starts to make a difference and then you start to choose that on a more regular basis. So for me, Like we just got back from three back-to-back conferences. So I was gone for 11 days and there were news Mm -hmm. interviews. It's all indoor stuff. And so within that context, we have to choose, I might skip out on this a little bit. I might miss a part of this thing. Or in the evenings, I'm going to make sure that we sit around a table and have some discussion. Or I have three days in a row where we didn't get outside at all, but tomorrow I'm going to make sure we go do something. So it really is just keeping it top of mind. That's Mm -hmm. what the challenge does. It just keeps it there. It's sitting there. It's like always there. I'm like, okay, well, we've had three or four busy days in a row. I need to make sure that over the next couple days, I'm prioritizing getting our kids out in simple ways. So I think each family is different, but I do think that every family can have an understanding that this is extremely important for children in their development and do something.
1: Yes. It's less about the number and more about the commitment to saying we are going to get outside more this year mm-hmm. and whatever number we meet, let's try and increase that by 10 mm-hmm. hours next year. So sure. like you said, there is, are studies that say, Hey, this amount of time is highly beneficial. But again, if your lifestyle right now is not conducive to that, then don't fret or feel like a failure. Like if you don't color right. up your entire 1000 hours outside printout, that's okay. Cause look mm-hmm. how much more you did than last year. And the thing is you were being intentional.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There is no failure. That is one of our biggest messages. You don't fail at this. No. There is no failure because all of it is beneficial and all of it is bonding. Some of it's spent as a whole family. The list is so long, Diane, of the benefits. And then beyond that, you're building memories together. So, you know, if you're together at a park in the evening, seems like nothing, but these are the things that people remember. And it's one of my Mm -hmm. favorite questions I ask when I talk to people is what is a favorite memory from their childhood that was outside? And it's Mm -hmm. always simple stuff. It's never like, oh, we went to Yellowstone National Park. Oh, we went, you know, kayaking down this thing. It's not that. It's the simple Mm -hmm. things. And so those are helping to deepen these family relationships and give kids a foundation. So, you know, on that chart, the chart has a thousand spaces. But if you counted each space as a half hour,
1: Mm -hmm. you
0: could fill it up, you know, just like change it up a little bit. You know, if you count each space as 15 minutes, I had a mom that wrote me one time, she said, I have part-time custody of my kids. She said I work full-time, so I'm aiming for 250 hours outside. That's my goal. She altered the goal. But it still does so much for your life and for your mental health and well-being. So, you know, you take that chart and each piece is 15 minutes. I mean, you can change it up to fit where you're at in your life.
1: Absolutely. Okay, so I wanted to get to another thing I was talking about with Allie. Right now on My Nature Group, we do have ages like 2 to I think 15, maybe 13 And some of the older kids are starting to not enjoy it as much. And so we want to have outlets in our nature group to say like, hey you can go fishing or hey if you want to take a longer hike maybe an adult can go with you guys and we have a space for the littles so I guess how for you has your outside time with your children changed and evolved as your kids have gotten older like you said you don't want to take that autonomy and say this is what it has to look like for you nowadays you don't want to take that from them so how have you kind of shifted as your kids have gotten older
0: This has just been real fun, Diane. It's an interesting Mm -hmm. thing to find a solution that works for parenting that lasts for a childhood. So, so many of the things that you learn as a parent, they become old news. Like you learn how Mm -hmm. to deal with potty training or you learn how to deal with eating tantrums and stuff just changes. There's all of these different things that happen during childhood that are just for a season and then you move on. But nature works for the whole time. Like it works for your little baby. So, our oldest is 15. And I remember taking him on walks and he just loved to look at the trees. It's like nature's mobile. So it worked for him as a baby. At 15, it definitely looks different. So it looks a lot like specializing. We have almost three teenagers. So they're out skateboarding. They like to ride their bikes. They have their own movement goals. So they'll try and bike like six miles a day and they're keeping track of it on a little chart. They got to, I don't know if they're competitive with it, maybe a little bit because they're siblings, but they like this movement piece of it. And then they're like, oh, well, my friend, when he rides his bike, he doesn't use his hands on the handlebars the whole time. So they have these things within them that drive them on to do harder and harder things. So they are still doing that. Like we'll go different places and they're going to jump off the rocks into the water below from real high spots. They're doing things like that. We're whitewater rafting. So for our particular family, it's gotten a lot more fun for me. You know, at the beginning it was like, okay, I'm like the pack mule that's pushing the stroller with all of the things for five kids and I'm carrying one on my back and I'm carrying one in one arm and I'm (laughs) pushing the stroller with the other hand. So it looked a lot like that and it was still fun and it was still relaxing in an odd way, but now it looks a lot different. And we just recently went to Mackinac Island, which is this island in the upper peninsula of Michigan. It's a real fun place. You take a ferry over and there's no cars there. It's just horse and buggy. And our older kids, they went off on their own. They went to go check out the shops. I mean, this is what kids used to have. I remember I've read some books where they say 12-year-olds have less freedom than six-year-olds used to have, something like that. And even Dr. Peter Gray, like he talked about, I think when he was Four years old, he started to go to the corner store and he would get his grandma cigarettes. You know, so it's like a whole different world back then. But I thought this was so funny, Diane. Uh-huh. He said that back then, maybe it wasn't looked on well when women went to buy cigarettes. But I guess apparently it was like totally fine if a four-year-old <laughs> buy cigarettes. So like his grandma didn't want to go, so she would send him. So there is a lot of autonomy and stepping back in certain ways. But it definitely is not part of our culture. Like you feel nervous. You know, We send our kids out to walk around on Mackinac Island for a couple hours by themselves, don't know where they are, what they're doing, but they're fine and they love stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So there's also a lot of sitting around and chatting at a picnic table. I mean, that's happening too. So... Mm-hmm. I think that when the older ones start to get a little antsy, they need like what you're talking about. They need to be able to go hike on their own. They need to be able to go fishing. They need to have maybe several other kids around that are their age that they can bounce things off of. But I remember John Muirlaws, he was talking about with nature journaling, like they have a whole teen cohort. So kids that just love to draw and discover. And so they've connected in different ways. So there's a lot there. What I hope is that we can bridge the gap So that their adulthood also includes a lot of real life experiences because right now they're learning that they actually really do love it and it makes their bodies feel good.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I think that that was the biggest thing. We had this mom powwow for our nature group, just kind of checking in again, seeing how this has evolved. Now this is our third or fourth year together. And there's a mourning for the moms of older kids of, Hey, it's not going to look like this anymore. I mean, my kid doesn't slow down to see that caterpillar. And that is, you do have to kind of mourn that. And I I've used Mm -hmm. the word grieve in the past and that is a heavier term, but it is, it's like, you're grieving this part of motherhood that no longer is there, but it doesn't mean it can't evolve and shift and you can't do that with them. And like you said, some of these planning the vacations or even camping, you can do camping in such an affordable way. So I think it doesn't matter how much money you have to spend because nature, the access to nature is free. And like you said, jumping off rocks into a big quarry or wherever it was that you guys were, Mm -hmm. that's free. Like You don't have to do that. Maybe the gas to get there. Right. Yeah. There's a lot
0: of options out there. And I think your point is a really big one because when our kids were little, it is a lot of work to get them outside on the front end and on the back end and a lot sometimes in the during, depending on if you're having to hold a child and they, you know, they just melt down, kids melt down, they're tired. And so there's a lot mm-hmm. of that that happens. And so there would be the tendency to think, okay, well, I should just wait. Like I should wait until we're out of this stage to do it. But the thing is, is that I found, so we're 12 years into living a certain way that it has changed in the way that it looks, but it's never gotten easy, Mm -hmm. I guess would be the thing to say. Like, it's never been like, oh, you know, I've got tons Mm -hmm. of time, like, no problem. Things change. And as your kids get older, your days look different. You have less time than you thought you would because your kids have certain things that they bring to the table that they really want to do. And that's their life. And they're figuring out some of their own stuff. So you're no longer like the arbiter all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, at the beginning, you get to make all the choices. And as they get older, that becomes less and less. And so the point is, is that I think there's always going to be challenges for getting our families outside. And there's never a point where there's not a challenge. And so you just got to kind of go for it and deal with the life stage that you're in.
1: Well, I'm glad we've kind of focused this on the evolution of what it looks like. Yes. We always talk about the importance of it, but I'm glad that we focus this kind of on older kids in a way. Cause I feel like that's not something that you and I have chatted about before, but mm-hmm. do you have any final word of encouragement or maybe what's one takeaway with this new book that you feel like is different from what you put out in the past? So the
0: new book includes things that are not just outside. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's called 1,000 Hours Outside, but it also includes the information that's like, look, if you can't go outside or you've had surgery, whatever, that it's just this open space that is so valuable for the time to come. So it doesn't always have to look a certain way. And I think that as we get back toward older people, principles, like simple things like playing your cards, like doing the little sewing projects. I mean, we really are trying to implement in our lives more analog, more analog experiences as a whole as a whole childhood knowing that those things are beneficial both for now like we just started a little sewing project and it's kind of a pain it's like going to be this little cat and you have to embroider the dress and embroider the bag and our seven-year-old really wants to do it well she's not good at it and so I have to hold the thing and then she pokes me with the needle and you know but all of those things provide so much value like that's fun and we look at it and it's cute and so this is about like today can be really good as good as it can be right the kids are hard and we have so many external pressures and we have work and bills and chores and all these types of things that we need to do to keep our lives afloat but it can be a good life today like that's what we have that's what the thousand hours outside journey has brought me to and it's permeated into the rest of my life which is my goal is to say how can I approach today in a way that is full, that is satisfying, that is balanced as it can be? Dr. Morgan Cutlip, she wrote a book called like Don't Mother Your Kids Without Losing Yourself. And you know, she says like look, balance isn't really what we're going for. I think we're constantly feeling like, "Oh, we need balance, we need balance." But she's like, "No, it's just about checking in with yourself and making sure that like how are we doing today and what's our thought for tomorrow?" Living that way, It sets us up for being successful because we learn so much about ourselves in the process and we grow and we're excited about life. And it sets us up and our kids up for being successful for the next day. And that's really all you can do. If you don't know what the career is that you're setting your kid up for, Mm -hmm. then how can you possibly prepare them for that? All you can really do is prepare them for tomorrow and then tomorrow takes care
1: of itself. Absolutely. And we're not guaranteed a future. like We're not guaranteed tomorrow. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I love that. Where can people grab a copy of this new book? When is it available again? It
0: comes out November 14th. So it's in time for the holidays. It's a good gift. It's a beautiful book. Beautiful, beautiful book. The guy that designed our logo, his name is Daniel Newman. He's this younger guy. Mm-hmm. He designed the book cover, which is really cool. So like, if you have a 1,000 Hours Outside t-shirt, he probably designed that and then the cover of the book he designed as well. So it's a pretty book. It would make a nice gift. It comes out November 14th. You know how everyone says it's available wherever books are sold, but it's cheaper from the publisher. The publisher makes it cheaper. So on bakerbooks.com, if you want to do a couple extra clicks, it's a little more cumbersome, but theirs is usually 30% off plus free shipping. So that's pretty substantial. You can get it there as well. So I'm excited. It'll be cool to see it in bookstores. And I know how you probably are the same way. It's like, I remember in years past, I would go to the bookstore and I didn't know any authors. And now I go Mm -hmm. to the bookstore and I'm like, I've talked to that person and I know that person. So it's kind of a thrill to see. I love a good bookstore.
1: Oh my gosh, me too. Yeah. It's really fun. This position, having a an opportunity to interview different women and authors has been a really cool thing for an English major and just a person that mm-hmm. loves to read in general. So it's been a fun thing. Mm-hmm. Well, as we wrap the conversation up, I'm going to ask you the two questions that I ask every guest. And the first one is what's been a beneficial resource? I know you have so many of them. So just say what, what has been one of your favorites as of recently that you want to share with the listeners.
0: Okay, I love this book by Nir called Indistractable. And he's got yeah. in that book all these really cool – I just actually used one. So I had a half okay. hour in between recordings – and I have this cross stitch that I'm working on. I should have brought it to show you. It's really cute because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to incorporate some more hands-on things like Joe Winger talks about. And so mm-hmm. Near talks about being indistractable, right? So I had a half hour and normally that time might go to a bunch of different places because I'm going to check email and then I'm going to get distracted and then I'm going to scroll on Instagram and I'm going to see this thing and I got to respond to so-and-so. So he talks about he has so many hacks in his book and different ideas. Mm-hmm. So one of the ones in his book, Indistractable, is this app called forest <laughs> this is so funny i can't even believe it works but it works so well so you set a timer and i have done this a ton in my life like i'm going to set 25 minutes i'm going to set 30 yeah. minutes and i'm going to go read but inevitably you get a text or whatever and then you get off task so this app you set the timer and it grows a little plant or a tree while you're waiting. (laughs) And if you pick up your phone to do something else, it kills a plant. It's like not even a real plant, but somehow (laughs) it's very motivating. So he has got some really cool ideas in there, Diane. Like one of his ideas, he says, burn or burn. And he's got this calendar, in his, I don't know, like wardrobe or something. And he has a $100 bill attached to the day. And he has a lighter sitting there. So he says, I'm either going to burn some calories, or I'm going to burn this money. And he said he went from being clinically obese to like he's got six pack abs. And he's been doing this for four <laughs> or five years. So I would say that as of late, I have really loved that book Indistractable. It's been pretty impactful.
1: So it's really strange you're talking about him. That was my resource of the week on my latest episode of the podcast. Wow. Yeah. So we're recording this on a Thursday. I just made that my resource on Tuesday. Wow. So very bizarre. And I'm actually, he's going to be on the show in a couple of weeks. So. Very weird. So incredible. Yeah, very we're weird. We're on the same wavelength here. Yeah, it's a great book for sure. Mm-hmm. I was saying it was somewhat comparable to atomic habits, like, but mm-hmm. we're talking more about distraction as opposed to habit building. So mm-hmm. I agree. Great resource. My last question for you is what is something you can't stop talking about?
0: We're talking about this transition to teenagers and how yeah. we are in mourning and also mm-hmm. really struggling to adapt. So the way that life used to look was that we had a lot more space And especially Mm -hmm. in the evenings, like you would maybe go adventure for the day and you come home and the evening would be this sort of cozy time where you would wrap up the day and you would finish it out. Then you'd go on to the next one. And the stage of life that we're in is that even though our kids are not involved in a lot of things, they're involved in very few things, really, that almost every single evening is taken up by some sort of activity that really means a lot to them. And I was talking to... Colleen Kessler she said it It was really interesting she said that people would say to her like well why don't you just drop some of those things and I thought she was really wise she said well they're not my things to drop and it becomes that way like it's it's really not in my place to say look that's not what you should be doing with your time or you can't do X, Y. We don't even do X, Y, and Z, It's just X or X and Y. There's not that many things, but life has really changed. And when it changes, when that happens, I guess it would depend on how many kids you have, but even if you have one kid, when that changes, it kind of changes for good. Like it's not ever really going to go back. So that's what kind Mm -hmm. of what we're talking about is the reconciliation of that and trying to find a new happy place with and maybe just an acceptance of this is how mm-hmm. life is and how can we adjust our family and expectations to the way life is as kids grow and get older. So that's what we're talking about and talking about it quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I think I'm trying to have perspective with my six-year-old and my almost nine-year-old with that, just especially with my nine-year-old. You're getting to a point where you're gonna, I don't wanna say she's gonna see me less and less or she wants to see me less and less. I hope that we've like cultivated that relationship with one another, but there is going to be a natural less and less of our relationship as she does have these other things going on. And I'm just trying to say like, you have time to, answer this question, or you have time when your son comes out in the morning and wants you to help him with this, like you can go do that because he's not going to be asking you that for much longer. And so just, I know it's kind of a horrible way to think sometimes, but it helps me just keep that perspective of growing.
0: Yeah. I don't think it's horrible. I mean, I think that there's wisdom in knowing that seasons are numbered and days are numbered. Mm -hmm. And when they talk about those things, like this is the last time you'll build Legos and it's true. It's like, well, we Mm -hmm. don't build Legos anymore together and Mm -hmm. things change. And it's beautiful how things change, but you do adjust to it. And I mean, (laughs) we're in the stage of like, are your kids dating? Are you allowing dating? It is really an interesting thing. And I think that the decisions have, they bear sometimes more weight. Mm -hmm. Do you do this? Do you not do that? People are pretty opinionated about the things they think about it. And so those Mm -hmm. discussions become a little hairier. So that's like a little insight into what it's like right now in this age and stage. And, you know, I don't know. It's like, I I think when the kids were littler, I was exhausted. So you're waiting. Mm -hmm. You're waiting for the change. And it doesn't maybe look like what you think it might, I guess.
1: Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing that. And again, your new book is out November 17th. I can't wait to read this one. And thank you for joining me again. I think this was your third time on the show. So thanks for joining me again.
0: Yay! <laughs> third time's a charm. What a gift, Diane. It's has been awesome to get to know you in this way. And hopefully someday it'll be in real
1: life in person. I know, right? Okay. Well, thank you. What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation.